You're listening to a podcast from Newstalk ZB. Follow this and our wide range of podcasts now on iHeartRadio. Now, ChatGPT is coming for our white-collar jobs. There's a warning that the AI chatbot is going to take over one-third of office roles in upend finance and law professions within a decade. It might not be all doom and gloom, though. There might be some bright spots. And with us now is Jardin's global equity analyst, Ben Stewart. Hi, Ben. Hi. Why finance and law? I think, you know, these are roles that require a whole lot of training. Um, it's it's pretty theoretical, a lot of the training. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of data available. And so these models have been trained uh, to read data and then kind of regurgitate it. And so that's essentially that, you know, there's a lot of roles in, in these two professions that, that require that. So it's kind of, you know, some of the higher income jobs are potentially facing greater exposure. What we can't say for sure is, you know, where where the industry will look like in five or ten years' time, because we've seen that happen before with new technologies come along. Uh, people kind of move into new roles that are a little bit more creative, a little bit more strategic, um, and and they're kind of using these tools uh, to help them in those roles too. Ben, do you do, are you saying that it's sort of at a more basic level? Let's take law, more basic level of law, where perhaps I know nothing about the law, but a lawyer knows, you know, the basics. So I will pay them good money to just tell me the basics to solve my problem. Instead of doing that, I can type it into the AI and it can do it for me. Well, no, it's actually even more highly specialised areas of the law now. Um, and so you could even say in certain domains of law, which are uh, extremely specialised, like uh, um, relative to a certain market um, or, you know, relative to a certain court, yeah. uh, because a lot of this data is publicly available um, and that's that's one part of it. So it's been trained on this and it can kind of recognise what it is that you're trying to convey and then, and then, you know, take what you're conveying and give you an answer that w- that would be, uh, okay. you know, akin to to a specialist in that field. So then, what happens to all of the lawyers who lose the jobs because they don't have a bunch of numpties like me coming along asking basic questions? Well, a lot of them will be using these tools, and like, you know, they're probably encouraged right now. Uh, and some some big firms are encouraging people to begin to use these tools and to make it part of their workflow. Um, and then, you know, move into other strategic related roles uh, inside of law, whether that's kind of, you know, drafting more contracts or, you know, there's, there's never an end to the, to the number of lawyers that we can have, as you know, it's been said before. Okay. Is, what, what, is, what is the bright spot in this? Well, it makes things more efficient. So if you think about, like, comparing the rollout of prior technologies, things were a lot slower. Like when you look at the industrialization. Uh, if you look at, you know, steam, steam trains, tractors, automobiles, these things kind of happen really, really slowly. Like, you know, fast forward to today, you know, technology moves really quickly. Like you look at mobile phones and how quickly they kind of took off and then things on the internet move even faster. And so as they're kind of moving faster, um, you know, you get all this, all these benefits from the next technology, technological wave that kind of come, up, come along. And so it massively increases productivity. It, it makes it easier to make decisions. And so it means that people generally will, will begin to move into more strategic areas or roles that use a lot more creativity. Um, so, you know, and outsource a lot of those other things that they were doing prior. So, you know, if, you, if you're the first country or, you know, first kind of wave of people to have access to, to a new tool like that, you kind of use it, makes your job more efficient, and then, you know, you outsource a large swathe of things that you, you were doing previously. And that's been seen time and time and again with, uh, with industries. The, 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 the conductors, right, the, the chips, rather, that, that the computers use are being made in Taiwan. Now, obviously, if there was a war in Taiwan, we would be in trouble, Ben. But is it possible because they're made in Taiwan, it actually discourages China from doing anything? It does, yeah, that's right. And so that's that, that's that's one of the things that Taiwan um, as, a, as a nation has been pretty kind of 
are careful to to make sure that they don't um, you know they don't get on China's bad side too too much, and they don't kind of bend too much to the West either. So they're trying to play the middle ground, and and they kind of really have to do that in order to kind of secure their own destiny and their own future. Um, what happened over COVID uh, was, you know, the, sh- the chip shortage uh, woke the world up to the importance of semiconductors. You know, if you had have asked uh, Joe Blow on the street, you know, what, what's a semiconductor, most people wouldn't have wouldn't have known. And so there was a realization that we be- we've become really reliant on these from you know, cars, appliances, tools. Um, and so, you know, as that realization has happened, people have realized that all all the production of them is very centralized, not just in Taiwan but also in Korea, very close proximity to China too. Not only is it centralised, but it's also extremely fragile. It, it doesn't take much of a of an interruption for that entire supply chain to kind of go down. And so, you know, people are looking at this trend that we've done in the West, where we went from outsourcing everything um, and centralising a lot of that scale manufacturing um, to benefit from it, and now looking at it and, and thinking, well, we need to kind of reverse this a little bit. We need to begin to insource decentralised supply chains a little bit more, and that'll make supply chains more resilient in the future. Good stuff, Ben. Really interesting stuff. Uh, ben Stewart, Jardin's Vice President of Global, uh, Global Equity Analyst. For more from Newstalk ZB, listen live, on air or online and keep our shows with you wherever you go with our podcasts on iHeartRadio.